Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. women have it more difficult than than married couples do because they're surviving on this one income. So that leaves very little margin for error. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at CelebratingGreatMinds.org. Hey there, real quick before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a quick question. Did you know that on this show, I love to answer your money questions and share your success stories? Your questions can be vague, in-depth, or just anything in between. You can stay anonymous or share your first name. It is completely up to you. And there are no dumb questions. Okay, we've got a short little form you can fill out to have your questions or success stories shared in an upcoming Shauna Shares episode. Just click over to the show notes and tap on the link or head straight to bit.ly slash Shauna Shares. Cool? Okay, on to the episode. Welcome back to the show, ETM listeners. It is so good to have you here. Okay, I have some shocking info to share with you. Data shows that almost all women will be single at some point, either later in life or in the early years. So whether it's being married or getting a divorce or being married and being widowed or never getting married, if you're a woman listening right now, I need you to buckle up for singlehood. And unlike dual earning couples, many of America's 66 million unmarried women survive on one income. 
Yeah, but no, mind blown, right? Of course, women earn less and are more at risk when things like current levels of inflation spike up. What this means is that we have to be smarter with how we save, spend, and invest our money. Margaret and Jill have written such a great book called Single Women and Money, detailing everything you need to know how to live well on your income. These powerhouse women are our guests on this episode and share why the money situation for single women differs so greatly, how the economy impacts single women more intensely, financial resources for single women in hardship, and key money steps to take in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and so much more. Let's jump into the conversation. So I want to throw the the first question out, out to you, Jill, and then I would love to hear, Margaret, if you have any thoughts on this as well. When I was prepping for our conversation, I was reading some information you said over, and I think this is really our, our why for the episode. You say that unlike dual earning couples, many of America's 66 million unmarried women survive on one income. Obviously, these salaries are less than typical men earn. And like many women, single women often lack the financial education needed to figure out what to do with our money throughout our lifetime. So tell me, tell me more about this. Like, tell me why it's so critical that single women really need to know what to do with their money. What do you think about that, Jill? Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, single women have it more difficult than than married couples do because they're surviving on this one income. So that leaves very little margin for error. Um, you know, you, you can't have the luxury of taking some time off for six months to reevaluate your career, for example. You need the money to keep coming in to pay the bills. And so it's uh, and even though we don't receive formal education typically on personal finance, it is important for single women to to learn something about managing their money, um, to to have their own safety net of the proper you know, disability insurance, for example, so that they do have something to fall back on, um, how to start putting money away for emergencies as well as for longer term, how to choose some good investments for the long term. Uh, there's a a list of, a, of several different things that I think um, single women in particular need to pay attention to just to ensure that they'll have financial security now and later. Right. Yeah. Margaret, I'm curious, do you have anything to add on to that? Yes. I, I think um, a point should also be made that uh, what Jill was saying really applies to all women because data show that um, over the course of their adult life, almost all women will be single at some point, either later in life or say in their 20s or or throughout their life. And this could involve being married, but then getting divorced or being married and becoming widowed or never marrying. Um, so, so it's so important for every woman to understand what the uh, the issues are involved, not only with single women, but women generally, but the fact that they may become single if they aren't already at right. some point. Yeah, you know, it was eye-opening when I was learning about money and becoming a certified financial planner, really eye-opening when I saw the stats around women that the majority of us women, at least later in life, we we tend to outlive our husbands and we're living longer and longer. And when you think about that in terms of money, it starts to be a little scary of like, wow, we really have to have to think about this. Um, and uh, if I may just throw in a point uh, and the the kernel of the problem is not only that data show that uh, women earn 83 cents. Um, a median 83 cents for every median dollar a man earns, but that the financial education has typically not been available to women generally and and men for that uh, for that matter. But but women are particularly um, disinclined to have sought out financial uh, education. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking also that as women, we, we've we made a lot of advancements, right? Like we've marched in the streets for equal pay, equal rights, freedom of choices. 
so much more. But when it comes to money, we're still we're still far behind. We still have this like very old idea that becoming a couple or marrying is somehow going to fix our our money issues or fix us for the rest of our lives. Uh, Margaret, why do you think society has like overlooked these money issues that single women deal with? Like, why why is this not a topic we we talk about? Um, well, it's a cultural phenomenon, I believe, that women have traditionally been groomed from childhood and in their schooling to become wives and mothers eventually. And if they were to have a job after they finish education, it would be in some uh, form of um, lower paying job, anything from um, nursing to the arts to um, kindergarten teaching jobs that were perceived as not particularly um, high level and not well paying on the premise that this was just going to be a fallback position for them until they married and their husband would be the the breadwinner for the whole family. This cultural uh, perception is dictate, if you will, in some ways continues today, although happily more and more women are realizing that that they are educated, they are capable of, um, of seeking higher paying and executive style jobs that, um, allow them to be self-sufficient financially, but it isn't ingrained in women. And that is the problem is that even for those with um, advanced degrees, there still is that feeling inside you that somehow there's a, someone should be taking care of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think back to my childhood and uh, I was always very career oriented and my mom she stayed home when my brother was born. He's five years older than I am, and she didn't work any longer. And prior to that, she was a secretary. She worked for a president of a company, and you know that was a great job at that time. But she always looked at me with a little bit of a side eye, like, "Why? Why do you want to have this big career?" I mean, she's fully supportive of it, but it just wasn't something that you know, she grew up with having those opportunities or even having that be be a norm. And it's just so interesting to see, even just from a mother to a daughter, those different cultural shifts. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jill? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm the oldest of five children. And I know that my father gave a lot more career advice to my brothers than he ever <laughs> gave to me. Um and and I think it it surprised him when I became a professional and and you know even started my own company. Uh, I do also think that sometimes this this fear of of numbers and math gets linked into a fear of managing your money. Like like if I if I don't like math, then I certainly can't figure out how to. Um, you know, do a budget or invest or do all these other things. And and there has been a, a, a fair amount of misinformation. Uh, somehow, the, the I hear this from some of my women clients that I don't know how to invest because how do I pick the best stock or the best right. mutual fund? Well, you don't. <laughs> no one can. <laughs> so let's just get rid of that concept right off the top. And so some of it is demystifying it. Mm, I like that word demystifying. Yeah, Margaret, curious about about your own money story. Did um did you have any of these experiences being like both an expert in money but also being a female living in living in the world? Um yeah, so I had personal personal experiences of making a budget throughout my 20s um on making ends meet until I uh, did happen to marry when I was 31. But um, what, ha- how I learned it, and it was, I learned about money sort of on the job. And I realized, and I'll explain what I mean, but I realized it was actually fun. I knew nothing when I went to work for 
um, a financial um, publishing company. And the people, they were bouncing around ideas about bonds and interest rate and Federal Reserve policy. And of course, I knew nothing about any of them, but just listening to them and how excited they were, I realized that this was, um, I had been, a, and still am a journalist, I realized, wow, there's really a lot of of news here and it really affects people and it's interesting and very lively and so I absorbed almost by osmosis what they were talking about and realized that it wasn't so complicated it really fits into a um, a very clear picture that you can follow about how the money system and money supply works in the United States. And um, you do not need any kind of advanced degree to just understand the basic concepts, which um, I learned and which I actually thought were fun, even though um, I had known nothing about them and had no great affinity for math. So uh, the, the point was, it was actually quite easy once you decided to learn about it to go ahead and and grasp it and really get enthusiastic about um money investing personal finance and the like yeah and jill i'm thinking kind of piggybacking what margaret said uh as a money expert yourself what do you think it's going to take to tear down some of those long-held myths that women in particular that, A, we have to be perfect at this, so we have to overanalyze, you know, what stock we're going to pick, or that, uh, yeah, we have to be math experts, or all of these, I don't know, these myths that somehow we just keep carrying generation to generation. What do you think it's going to take to tear some of those down as women? That's such a great question, and I it's going to take uh, several different efforts from several different points of view and from different people. One of the things that that Margaret and I have been talking about is, wouldn't it be great if there were um, like a book club, kind of a personal finance club, where women could get together and just share ideas and what have you done that made sense and how did you get into investing or, you know, what do you what how did you figure out how much um, insurance to take or whatever, um, in a very non intimidating friendly kind of way. You don't have to share you know, intimate details, but just some basic um, how-tos. Maybe you could read a personal finance book together and discuss it. Um, So that's one idea. I, you know, I'm a personal financial advisor. I'm a certified financial planner as well. And I believe in the value of advice. So finding someone to work with who is willing to, to, um, you know, educate you, willing to give you the, the why um, and the background behind it so that you can learn, not just, you know, feeding you, this is what I'm doing for you. Yeah. I think that helps as well, because I see that with my women clients. Um, one other quick thing that, that uh, with investing, I have found that uh, many women are are kind of turned on to investing when we talk about socially responsible or ESG investing, you know, the, the dry stocks, bonds, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. when you start talking about matching your values to your investments, that really sparks something with a lot of women and gets them much more interested in, um, in the investing world. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, tell me about the idea of matching your, your values mm-hmm. to your investing. Yeah, and I'll just tell a quick um, anecdote. I have a I have a client who um, inherited a bunch of individual stocks from her parents, and we were going through, and I was kind of explaining, you know, these are the ones we maybe should sell, and these are the ones you might want to keep. And she was not engaged, <laughs> and I finally said to her, "You don't really want to hold these stocks, do you?" And she said, "I don't. They're oil, gas. I don't. I don't want to hold these stocks." I said, "Great. I understand that." We can sell them all and start from scratch. And let's talk about what things you are interested in, what things make sense to you, how do you want to make this a better world? And she had some very specific thoughts on that, and we were able to to find some investments that invested in, in the types of industries, had different you know policies that she supported, and it made 
all the difference. So I, I want to talk about your book, Single Women and Money. I'm kind of thinking it's like a matchmaking special, like a financial journalist meets a money expert and you combine your forces to to write this book for, for women. Margaret, tell me about, about your journey in the book. Like, and, and I guess why you guys even decided, let's write a book specifically for single women. So um, in New York City, I have quite a few women who are not married for whatever reason. And um, I began to notice over the years that they had a somewhat of a more constrained situation when it came to spending and their use of their money, um, uh, concern about making their money last. And it was more pronounced than um, people who were married were saying that. So it became clear over time that that single people, especially single women, were at a financial disadvantage versus the public at large, meaning married couples. And society at large tends to view the public, the adult public, as in terms of married couples. But here was a whole group. Uh, it's it, for people who are sick, um, there are 60 million single women who are 18 and older, 60 million that were not, whose financial situation was not being considered. And I thought for tax purposes, for income purposes, and yet it cost them the same money for the same square footage of rent, the food bill, the food costs the same for them. Automobiles cost the same, gasoline costs the same, but they're surviving on one income. That entitles them to less than married couples can afford. So this is this was terrible. And it I felt very badly that this was being overlooked and that these single women should be in this um discriminatory position. So um Eventually, I thought that something should be said about it. I wrote some articles for publications about it, and then it became clear that it clear it's a very big topic and really needs to be addressed, and something needs to be said about it. So we we uh, Jill and I paired up, and um, we decided on two things: not only to provide specific information for single women about managing their finances, but call on society to recognize and do something about uh, these millions of people who are being financially discriminated against. Yeah, curious, Jill, if you have anything else to add, like how you brought your superpower into into the book. Hardly superpower, but um, it was it, it it has been such a great uh, collaboration because we do approach the same problem from from slightly different points of view. I um, was was surprised working with with my single women clients how that bag lady syndrome lurks in their in their psyche even when they are pretty financially secure. Yeah. Um, there's so much fear and there's so much um, uh, apprehension about ending up penniless, <laughs> um, and and it was mainly stemmed from from not understanding how it you know how the finances all worked. But I also have clients whose situation was much more fragile because they're single. Um, you know, they didn't have the the same some of the tax advantages, um, social security advantages right down the line. So uh, when when Peggy approached me with this idea, it made perfect sense to me immediately. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off.
So I would imagine Jill at your at your book club, uh, <laughs> because this this has to be a real thing. I've already decided it. Um, that <laughs> inflation would be a topic that probably everybody's talking right now about, uh, whether they're using that word or not. Certainly, we're talking about gas prices and the cost of food at grocery stores. And uh, while we're all feeling it, you both say that single women in particular are being impacted. So if we are a single woman, we're listening now, how can we create a money plan to actually deal with these situations? Yeah, yes, you're exactly right. Inflation is a hot topic, and 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 more and more, I think people are getting used to using that word because it's in the press so much. Uh, I one of the things I talk about is what parts of your plan are negatively impacted by inflation, and what parts are not. For example, your home may be increasing in value. You may have a fixed mortgage, which is not being affected by inflation. So let's be realistic about, you know, how how dramatic this is an impact on your life. But it does require getting out the old paper and pencil and calculator again and maybe redoing the spending plan, maybe putting some extra money into an emergency fund and maybe even rethinking some of your expenses uh, for the next year. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah. So um, what we have said in our book is that, you know, in terms of budgeting and budgeting, it becomes ever more important the higher the inflation rate. But um, when rejiggering your budget a bit because, say, the price of gasoline has exceeded your allocation for it, uh, uh, your food bill is uh, much higher than it was last year. Um you you obviously need to figure out what you can put off. But what we tell people is that you don't deprive yourself. You have to figure out, uh, you should figure out when you're budgeting, what kinds of things besides the absolute essentials, your, how much your rent is and, and uh, how much your food bill is. Uh, apart from that, what do you really want that makes you happy, especially if it's not very expensive? I mean, right now you could put off buying a new car unless your automobile is completely on the blink. But but is there something that really is important to you? Let's say you're a movie buff, for example, and... Um, so put aside money to make sure you still go to the movies. That may mean that you cut out, for example, as many dinners out with friends or um, Friday night drinks with uh, pals, whatever it is that you could forego for the time being, just to make sure that you are getting into your budget, the things that really mean a lot to you so that you're you're not feeling miserable about um, and deprived as long as you cover the basic necessities. And in your book, you both share so many amazing tips about different life stages and different ages and the things to think about with your money at, at different points in your life. And I think it's, I hear it a lot from listeners. It's kind of the million dollar question of what should I be doing my with my money at, at different ages? I was wondering if you could you could both highlight, maybe we'll, we'll start off with you, Jill, uh, some things that we should think about, particularly like in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, like what should we be doing, maybe one or two things in each age range uh, to make sure that we're, that we're sort of staying in step with our money? Yeah, that's, that is a question we get asked a lot. And, and people ask for, for benchmarks and milestones sometimes, sometimes just to be able to evaluate their own progress. So a single woman in her 30s, for example, uh, by then you've probably been working at your first job out of school and you should have some idea of income coming in and income going out. And hopefully you have paid down at least some of your student loans, if so, it's a bit of an inflection point. It's probably time to step back and reassess your career. Maybe you have some jobs, but you don't feel like you have the career yet. And so what can you do to move to a career? Do you need to 
enhance your your skills in a particular area? Do you need to take some extra courses? Because over your lifetime, uh, in uh, a higher paying job is going to reap you know tremendous benefits. Um, so that's one thing. Pay attention to your own human capital at that point, and start to to set up um, a plan to invest a little bit more each year in a retirement plan. Maybe you can't hit that, you know, 15% um, of your income mark immediately, but set up a plan so that each year you increase the amount you're you're contributing um, to that. In your 40s, then, you should be um, really contributing the full 15% to retirement. It's, it's time to make um, as large as contributions as you can afford and still be able to do everything else that, that you want to do in life. Um, and I think I'll turn it over to Margaret if that's okay for the, the sure. next. Sure. Yeah, Margaret, few. take it away. What about our 50s? <laughs> well, if I might say that uh, over this uh, time period, housing is a really big issue that needs to be uh, front and center in your thinking and in your budgeting. Um, if you're in your 30s, for example, you have to start thinking about whether you want to buy something and what it would be um, based on your circumstances. Um, with If you happen to have children, what that would be. If you happen to have elderly parents, what that would be. If you want to um, have them move in with you or vice versa. Um, just make sure you're thinking about your circumstances and saving for perhaps um, a non-rental unit, potentially. Um, in your 40s, you probably want to be, if you haven't already, be shopping for what might be a long-term housing situation, um, either buying something or or uh, moving somewhere or thinking about a permanent housing situation. By the time you're in your 50s, be there. <laughs> Have <laughs> have landed where you want to be, um, figured out how you're paying for it, and now you're going to pay it off, for example, the mortgage, so that by the time you're in your 60s, for example, you want to be pretty clear of uh, the mortgage by then because you're thinking much more about the assets you'll need in retirement. So I, I think that during this 30 to 50 span, you really, housing has got to be front and center and not just what the housing itself, the house or condo or uh, whatever structure it is costs, but also the furniture, the upkeep um, and repair, which is very expensive, <laughs> we all know. Yes. Um, and um, all the, the costs associated with housing uh, have to be thought through carefully and, and handled. So let's say I'm a single female right now and I'm struggling financially, as I know a lot of people are, especially these last two years have been very topsy-turvy. Are there any resources that can help, really help single women who, are, who might be struggling? Uh, our book has a chapter on help in hard times, and it lists uh, sources from government to the private sector that provide various kinds of free or low-cost help in everything from um, from education to health care to financing your medicine to um, uh, to job hunts and um, uh, also where to turn to if, especially for the government, if you actually run out of money. Um, but I think it, as a long, as a, you know, a policy, it, it has been really difficult on, on many people these last couple of years, losing the job during the pandemic, then possibly getting another job and, and, uh, sometimes having to take anything to to get by during hard times, um, it, it, it's a it's a very difficult situation. Probably the best bet, especially if you're existing on just one income, is to be sure you're always keeping an eye out for 
other ways to expand your income. And that obviously includes anything from taking a second job if necessary to uh, working overtime in your current position to um, keeping an eye out for better paying opportunities. Um, so uh, just keeping an eye on ways to to increase your assets really is a big help in hard times it's because you don't know when the jobs might fall apart, um, if there is a downturn in the economy. Yeah, and I'll just um, th throw in a plug for the, the major financial planning um, professional organizations such as FPA and NAFA and um, they do offer, their members do offer pro bono uh, financial planning services. So that might be a place where you can get some advice for low or no cost. And Jill, I'm going to ask you both. I want to start with you, Jill. So if, mm -hmm. if you had to put together like a money checklist or to-do list for single women who are listening right now of, of some actionable things that they can either check on or start thinking about or actually do today when it comes to their money, what would some of those items be? You know, the, the first item I, on the list um, may not be the most exciting item, but it's something you can take care of and then check off the list. And that is just to make sure that you have not only a will, but a durable power of attorney for your financial affairs and a durable power of attorney for health. Um, you don't want the government making decisions for you. You want to be able to name someone trusted. And that's at any age. And then you can just, you know, check it off the list. You can review it every few years, but it's done. Uh, the, the next thing I would do is take a look at your safety net. What would happen if you lost your job? Um, what would happen if you became ill or disabled? Um, how, who would pay the bills? How, you know, look at your emergency fund. Do you have disability insurance? Make sure society is not going to build that safety net for you. You really have to build it on your own. And so make sure that you understand what you have in place and what you need to put into place to make sure you have a more secure um, situation. Margaret, what do you think? What would be on your checklist? You know, it's interesting. Um, in our book, um, we have three different checklists. One is for... Um, single women who have not married, one is for divorced women, and one is for widows. And they have lots of overlapping things, such as make sure you have a an emergency fund. And, but, um, but, but within the specific categories of single women, there are a few things you have to pay attention to. For example, if you're filing for divorce, issues around um, entitlement to alimony um, uh, for widows um, collecting inheritance and and, um, and and creating making sure in all these cases that you have an estate plan that um, includes not only your will <clears throat> but also um, a designated financial power of attorney and designated a healthcare proxy. Um, and so, so it, it is interesting. There are nuances between the, the, um, the single women. Um, and it can be rather tricky for divorced women because suddenly their income, their, their family assets are cut in half. Right. So suddenly the rug is pulled out from under them. They may have had a comfortable existence and they're suddenly on their own, potentially without a job. What do they do? How do they uh, suddenly go out looking for work? And we, we also cover that in our book. But, but um, uh, in the case of divorces, the they, you should make sure that you are aware of your state's laws concerning divorce um, and state laws on child support and how you make sure their um, child support is carried out. Um, so there's a, it, it's interesting that 
not all singles are single women have the same issues. I just I just wanted to to add too is is I, I think sometimes um, you can get into an uh, analysis paralysis state when you think <laughs> oh my heavens I'm supposed to do all of these things and I don't know how to do them I think it's important to just step back and and pick you know one thing a couple things maybe to to focus on and learn about that and and get those done and understanding that. You know, it truly is never too late um, that anything you can do now is going to bear rewards in the future. So uh, I, I certainly heard it before. If it's, you know, it's just too late to start saving for retirement. It's never. So anything that you can put aside now. And frankly, it does make you more aware of your of your budget, your spending power. And that is always a good thing when you're planning for retirement. Also, if I could chime in, one thing that um, could help people in general um, in terms of really learning about investments and getting more interested in it, which is key to feeling comfortable about your financial situation is so many people now when they join a organization they get put into a 401k plan automatically so um, it's not a question of do you want to you get put into it so you automatically are having putting savings into uh, a pot of money uh, a fund every pay period. So if people could be encouraged to follow that and hear, they'll hear on the news how the Dow performed that particular day or how the Dow performed in the course of the week or the year. And if they could take that information, kind of look at their portfolio, they'd begin to understand a little bit more and get somewhat more conversant about how their own money is doing and versus say the market at large and get more feel for the whole investment world. And it would be become less mysterious to them. So I'm, I'm very thrilled about the fact that so many employers do put their employees automatically in a 401k plan so that whether or not they want to, I mean, you can always opt out, but in most cases, people wouldn't. So they automatically begin to invest and are almost uh, forced into beginning to understand um, how their savings uh, are invested and how they increase. All right. I have a fun last question for both of you. Let's say you were able to host uh, your ultimate dinner party with your favorite food and your favorite guests. Wondering if each of you have maybe a, a favorite female money leader or expert that you would you would want to have over either living or deceased that you say, this person needs to be at this dinner party. Jill, who would you have? Oh, wow. That is such a good question. And um, <laughs> unfortunately, the, the pool to draw from is more limited because there, there are so few um, women in this, in this field. As, as you probably know, Shanna, it's like 26% of certified financial planners are, are women. Um, I think I would probably name uh, a woman named Eleanor Blaney, who uh, is still a, a practicing CFP, but has done so much um, for for women again to try and demystify um, finances, and I think she would be a wonderful dinner um, companion or partner because um, she would share all kinds of stories, and she would also give her insights in how she has made this whole subject more approachable for women. All right, Margaret, who are you having at your dinner party? So I, I would ask a local financial advisor who was female to come to the dinner. Um, and I've actually seen this work. But um, what happens is that this person does understand the local financial pressures that people are facing. For example, in New York City, we all know that rents are through the roof and it's so many people say they can't afford to live in New York. So 
there would be that um, understanding about dealing with the housing cost situation. Um, a lo- I think a local person would really have a good feel for um, the people they were talking to. And so um, I, I would... I would ask friends if there was someone that they would recommend a financial advisor or, um, or it could even be um, a certified public accountant or something that would understand the local community and um, how it affects the lives of people in that community. So um, that's what I would do. Fantastic. Well, those sound like fun dinner parties. Well, tell us both if we single and we're really interested in in learning more about how we position our money, where do we go to connect with you both and uh, pick up a copy of your book? Absolutely. We have a a website, uh, singlewomenandmoney.com. And there are resources, links to to podcasts and interviews and other information on that on that website. And uh, you can pick up our book wherever fine books are sold, <laughs> Amazon and other other places. Being a money expert myself, I have seen over the years how women were impacted in so many ways that our male counterparts don't normally have to deal with. We tend to live longer. We start and stop our careers. We're usually the caretakers. And then to top it all off, we earn less money. That is a lot to overcome. And I'm I'm so glad that Jill and Margaret, they have put together this great book detailing really important money steps to take to set yourself up for success. My favorite chapters are investing smart and making your money last, two very important things to learn. So grab a copy for yourself because I just, I couldn't put this book down. If you're listening to this episode, do me a favor right now, send it to all of the females in your life so they can get set up well as well. I'll see you back here in a few days to keep talking money. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.